Bibles, if you will, and let's go to 1 Peter chapter 4. We're going to continue with some thoughts from the Lord's Word from that book of 1 Peter this morning. Pastor Matt introduced some wonderful things to us last week concerning love. Peter's reminder to us that it should be above everything else. All the things that we deem important in the Christian life, Peter identifies love as superseding and overseeing them all. And so he has some other good thoughts to bring to us. And uh, I think it's beautiful how the Lord brings messages and words across our ears that coincide. And the Lord's good that way. He knows we need it more than once. And so he brings coinciding messages. And I just want to thank Bruce this morning for his obedience. You're going to see how perfectly the Lord has brought that word to us this morning. Today we continue to talk about the other side of grace. And grace is beautiful. Grace is powerful. Why today would grace be especially beautiful for us? I think it's because grace really means favor or blessing. And God, it's a beautiful thing that God's a blesser. It's a beautiful thing that God is good and he's gracious. You know, he's God. He could have been a tyrant. He's God. He could have been a bully. He's God. He could have been tight-fisted. He's God. But the beautiful thing for us today is our God is, a wonderful God. He wants to pour out and has given us His favor, His blessing. It's a beautiful thing that a perfect God would do that for imperfect people, that He would pour out favor and blessing the way that He does. God is not only beautiful in grace, He's also powerful in grace. You see, the grace that we're talking about today is not anything any of us could deserve or to earn. It's completely a gift, and it's wonderful to receive and give gifts. God's a giver, and his greatest gift is the gift of grace. And not only does he give it to us at salvation, but his grace is poured out for you today. His favor, his blessing is poured out for you today without any strings attached through his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, who we sang sang about this morning The powerful thing about God's grace is this. God's grace in Jesus is powerful enough to absorb all of God's wrath poured out on mankind. Astounding. God's grace, his favor, his blessing, deep enough, strong enough, wide enough, sure enough to absorb God's full wrath. That was poured out on mankind. God's grace. Powerful. God's grace is powerful because it's able to take an imperfect, sinful person and put them in the right place with God. Outside of God's grace, we're in the wrong place with God. We're on the opposing side. We're in rebellion. We're against God. Yet by God's grace, His favor, His blessing, He takes us out of the wrong place. And he puts us into the right 
place. That's why we are the righteousness of God in Christ. That's what it means to be in the right standing or the right place before God. And maybe one of my favorite things about God's grace is this. It's powerful enough to supersede any evil, any sin, or any, any, think about the worst one, any wrong. God's grace. For when it, where sin abounds, say it with me, grace more abounds, abounds even greater. So God's grace, my friend, this morning is powerful. Aren't you thankful today? That you have his grace. Thank you, Lord, today for the grace that you've given us, that you continue to give us. We bless you. Yet on the other side of salvation, God's grace continues to pour out upon us. We want to return to 1 Peter 4. And I'd like to capture, as we start, the two verses that Pastor Matt brought to us last Sunday as kind of a launching point for where we're headed for our message today. Verse 8. Now I know some of you have the scripture in front of you, but in the interest of us reading it together, I'd like us to look at it on the screen this morning. 1 Peter 4, 8. Okay? And I'd like to read verses 8 and 9 together. Let's read. Above all, love each other deeply, because love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Good verses. Hold it right there. Don't read that one. We're not there yet. The Lord's bringing us a message through multiple Sundays today. He's working on us. He's trying to speak to us about love. Love is on the other side of grace. In fact, we just read the words, above all, love each other deeply. Cover each other sins. Offer hospitality or open your arms, open your life, open your house, open your resources. Offer hospitality to others. Today we're moving on, and in the next verses we're going to see that grace is also a manifestation of this love. And the way that it's poured out to us in these verses is this, that we are to faithfully give our gifts, faithfully pour out the grace that's been given to us. Let's go on now to verse 10 and 11, and I'd like us to read them together also from the screen in front of us. Let's read. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. Here Peter talks to us about gifts. He begins by talking about everybody, an all-inclusive word he uses there, each. Each one has received grace. 
Each one has received a gift. Those words are interchangeable often in the New Testament. But the point he's making here is that for every follower of Christ, regardless of your age, your social status, your personality, your level of spiritual maturity, every follower has been given a gift. Most of us, more than one. In other words, you've been given an aptitude, you've been given a skill, you've been given a blessing, a grace that is to be under the operation of God's Spirit. And when it's under the operation of God's Spirit, it can be given out to those around us in the body of Christ to bless them. That is what a spiritual grace or a spiritual gift is. And you have one. You might say, oh, I don't know what that is. I don't know, is it a talent? Is it an ability? Is it an acquired skill? It could look like all of those, but a spiritual gift is unique because the Holy Spirit has put it there. The Holy Spirit has given it to you. You haven't acquired it, developed it, educated it. The Holy Spirit has provided it for you. As I mentioned earlier, for those of you especially that are younger in the room, there's not an age requirement. You don't have to be 18 to receive a spiritual gift. You don't have to be 21 to receive a spiritual gift. All you have to do is be a follower of Jesus. And when you accept Jesus into your life, the Holy Spirit is left in your heart, in your spirit as a deposit. And with his presence comes his gifts. Now, it's up to us to make a discovery as to what those are within us and to use them. But they're there. They're there. Do you know what they are? And more importantly, are we using them? It's wonderful to see that spiritual gifts are not based on spiritual maturity. You don't have to be old enough in the Lord. You don't have to acquire enough spiritual knowledge, enough biblical knowledge to have a spiritual gift. Babies in Christ have spiritual gifts, just like grandmas and grandpas in Christ have spiritual gifts. The Apostle Paul gives us an understanding in 1 Corinthians 12:11 about these spiritual gifts. He says this, all these gifts are the work of one and the same Spirit. He gives them to each man just as he determines. The gifts and the graces of God, they're given to everyone by the Holy Spirit, and it's up to him. One of the things that can detour the body of Christ is looking across the aisle at different gifts and envying them. Well, I wish I had the gift of. I wish I could. I can't really serve you, Lord, because I don't have the like the other person has. It's the Holy Spirit's decision based on full wisdom, full understanding, and full knowledge of not only who you are, but also the body of Christ that you're connected to and what that body needs. And so he determines, Rick Steinhauser, I give you this gift Because I know who you are, and I know the body that you belong to is going to need that gift. So I give it to you for them. The Holy Spirit, I think, is smart enough to do that. 
I think he's smart enough to figure that out. And he's smart enough to be able to give us all gifts so that when we're joined together and we fit together and we give the gifts together, it makes for a strong body of Christ. Amen? Amen. So if you're a follower of Christ today, you're gifted. By the way, the Holy Spirit has decided is best for you and for the body. Peter goes on to verse 11. Look with me at that verse, if you will. If anyone speaks, he should do it as one speaking the very words of God. If anyone serves, he should do it with the strength God provides. Why? So that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. Our gifts are not for us. Different than the receiving and giving of gifts that you do at birthdays and at Christmas, the gift that you receive at Christmas is generally for you. has your name on it, was chosen with you in mind. Hopefully it's the right color, the right size, it fits, you can use it. Hopefully that gift is given because it's for you. Spiritual gifts are different, my friends. They are given not for you. The spiritual gift that you have residing in you is not for you. It's not for you to take it like a trophy and hold it up and say, look what I have, everybody. I have the spiritual gift of, isn't it beautiful? It's mine. The Lord has a different idea with his gifts. His gifts are rooted in his grace and his favor. You don't have your gift because you earned it. You achieved it. You have your gift because you were given that gift. And as a result, the gift is to keep on giving. The gift was given to you to give the gift. He talks about speaking and serving here. If you ever want to dig in and learn more about spiritual gifts, maybe you haven't heard much about spiritual gifts or you haven't studied it much or maybe you're a believer and you say, you know what, I, I am clueless. I do not know what they are. Do I have one? How they function? What, what they're about? Let me, let me give you some passages of Scripture that you can take home with you and do some reading on. First of all, 1 Corinthians 12. Romans 12. Remember the 12s. 1 Corinthians 12, Romans 12 are the most exhaustive lists of some of the spiritual gifts that God has given to his people. Here Peter is reminding us again, as Paul will do, that the grace of God in you is for someone else. What you have is for someone else. The gifts God has given me are not for me. They're for you. They're for you. If God has gifted me with the ability to preach or teach, it's not for me to stand in front of a mirror at home and preach and teach. Well, that was good, Pastor Cindy. Amen, Pastor Cindy. That was good. That wasn't so good. That was a bad sermon. I slept through the whole thing. Sounds goofy, it sounds silly, but it makes a point, doesn't it? So my friend, if you have the gift of mercy today, the gift of mercy isn't for you to say, you know what, I totally empathize with you about your need, and you know what, we need to do something about the neediness in your own life. No, 
The gift of mercy in you is because someone else needs that mercy. And you are to give it out. You are to express it. You are to move in that giftedness for someone else. Back in the the 90s, there was a lot of teaching on spiritual gifts. Really good teaching. It really brought, brought the body of Christ into the know about spiritual gifts. And that was wonderful. Yet although it's important to be aware of gifts and graces God has given, it's not meant to be used on a spiritual resume, but it's meant to be used for someone else. Gifts imply relationship. Gifts imply that there are relationships in your life and in the body of Christ where that gift can be given. For instance, this morning... We heard a word of knowledge. That's what we heard this morning while we were waiting on the Lord. That is a spiritual gift that God gives under the unction and power of the Holy Spirit for someone to speak a word that enlightens us. That's the word of knowledge. How did that happen? The Holy Spirit spoke through a brother in Christ. What's the benefit of that for us today? We were here to hear it. If you were not here to hear it today, you would not be a recipient of that gift. Gifts imply relationships. You have to have relationships within the body of Christ in order to not only give the gift that you have, but to receive the gift that's being given to you. It's important. You've got to be active and connected, relating to the body of Christ. It's really time for some of us to settle in and use our gifts. If we had a spiritual perspective this morning of the condition of the body of Christ at Victory Life, there would be places that we would be able to see that would be thriving and healthy and strong. Why? People are using their gifts. There would be places that are weak and empty and absent. Why? Because the preaching's not good enough. Why? Because the worship isn't good enough. The special music isn't good enough. No, I believe the reason is because there are gifts that are not being used. Because when the gifts are being used, the body of Christ, Paul says in Ephesians 4, gets built up. It gets made stronger and stronger and stronger when the gifts, the graces that God has put in you are used and they are expressed. Then you will know joy. Some believers are void of joy because they're not using their gifts. If you look at that word gift... In the Greek, you're going to see it's connected to two other words. It's not only gift, but it's grace. And one word that we don't see often when we look at this word is joy. It's joy. All three words for us come out of the same word. I believe there's a connection. The connection is this. When God graces you with a gift and you activate that gift, you will be filled with joy. You will be filled with joy. 
without the use of that gift, if that gift is dormant in you or put on the shelf or put off to the side or not engaged in, I would venture to say that you're missing some joy in your life. You might have some joy, but the joy could be fuller if the gift was being activated and used. The gift of God that you've been given, the grace of God that you have been given, as we see in verse 11 there, it says that we should use whatever gift God has given to serve others. In the NIV, 1984 version, it says, faithfully administering God's grace. Faithfully giving out, administering God's grace in its various forms. Maybe in your translation this morning, a newer translation, you see the word steward. A steward is one who manages and administers what is owned by another. We are stewards today. We are managers. We are administrators of these wonderful gifts that God has put in. They don't belong to us. I have the gift of, oh, no, you don't. You don't have anything. You've been given the gift of in order to administer Steward it, use it faithfully, Peter says here. Faithfully use and administer the gift that you have been given. Notice he does speak of the word faithful or faithfully. To be faithful, we don't see much of it in our world today, but to to be faithful means to be consistent, firmly consistent, to be stable, to be steadfast, immovable, faithful. If someone's faithful, they're there. If somebody says they're going to be there and they're faithful, they're there. Even if they have to say no to other things, they're faithful, they're there, they're immovable, they're not going to change, they're not going to vacillate, they're not going to change their mind, make another decision, go a different direction. They're faithful. I had a good friend in high school. She was not a faithful girlfriend. <gasps> you want me to tell you why? Her MO was this. She got asked out by somebody, she'd say yes. If someone else came along that was a little bit more preferred, She'd go back to the first person and say no, so she could say yes to the second one. And on and on. Reputation? Unfaithful. Why? Never kept her word. Never kept her commitment. Never followed through on what she said she would do. The direction she said she would go the way she would spend her time and with whom she would spend her time. Not faithful. God here says that you have a gift and our responsibility is to steward or to manage or to administrate this gift faithfully, day in, day out, situation after situation, need after need, faithfully, 
We live in a culture where it's so easy not to be faithful. We're so busy. Things come up. Directions take us away from our intentions. We just kind of let things just happen to us. and We just kind of go with whatever's happening. And as a result, what are we faithful to? What do we stay with? What do we stand with? What do we remain with when everything else in life is just going in all kinds of directions? We're called here to be faithful. This is challenging in the American church today because the American church has a lot of ins and outs. A lot of people within American churches today keep one foot in and one foot partially out in case something on the inside is disagreeable, we don't like it, something happens, we have one foot out so we can escape. That's not faithful. That's not being faithful. The church is weakened by unfaithfulness. It's never strengthened. It's only strengthened by faithfulness. Another problem that the church can have is it can be a place to spectate and not participate. We live in such a spectator culture. We go to everything to watch. I love what David Barry, who was here a few weeks ago talking to us from Family Life, said to us. I think he said it here publicly in the service, but he said it again to me in the lobby. He said, you know, it's refreshing to come to a church where when we worship, people actually sing. People actually are participating. They're actually entering in. I said, why would you say that? He says, we, we go to so many churches, and we're the only ones that are singing. Everyone is spectating. Everyone's watching. Everyone's watching the band, the singers, the lights, the words. Are they spelled right? Watching, watching, watching. Rather than participating, singing, entering in. The church today is such spectators. We want to sit back and we want to watch and see. We don't want to step in and do. There's a lot of reasons. It's really true to be unfaithful today. We got some good ones. I don't want to linger too long on these. So I don't want you to take these away necessarily this morning. Reasons not to be faithful today. There's a lot of good ones. We live in an unfaithful world. We live in an unfaithful world where people don't stay. People look for reasons to go. People want to get out of. They want to leave the home. They want to leave the marriage. They want to leave the job. They want to leave the workplace. They want to leave the family. They are looking for reasons to leave. Even on silly terms like, I'm just not happy anymore. I have a reason to leave, to be unfaithful. We don't have a lot of good examples around us in faithfulness. There's a lot of imperfection around us. In fact, look at the person next to you and say, you're part of the imperfection around me today. Yes, you are. You might be looking into the face of your husband or wife or your best friend or your mother or father, but you know what? Hey, let's call it for what it is. 
You are imperfect. And I hope you said back to them, well, so are you. I don't know what it is about us that we don't want to, we don't want to ascribe faithfulness to anything that's not perfect. Well, it's got to be, it's got to be just right. It's got to meet my expectations. It's got to be perfect. It's got to be everything I want. I, 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 I. We're such consumers. It has to please us, be about us, be for us, meet our need, do for us, give us a lift, encourage us, help us, inspire us. If it doesn't do that 24-7, I'm not faithful to it. You're never going to be faithful to the body of Christ anywhere under those terms. You're just not. There's imperfection anywhere. And we use that as a reason not to be faithful to something. Not to be faithful to the body. Not to be faithful with our gifts. We look for reasons to withdraw them. Take them back. Because after all, they're mine. Sometimes we can be hurt in a church. How many of you have ever been hurt in church? Oh, come on. I'm going to wait on this. How many of you have been hurt in the church? You've been hurt by somebody in the church? How many of you have been hurt by me? Okay, put your hands down. You haven't been here long enough to stay a while. (laughs) We hurt one another. Right? Right. And when we're hurt, we have the opportunity to say, not faithful anymore. Spectate. I'm going back to the spectator's club over here and I'm just going to be here but I'm just going to look on because you know what I stepped in and I got hurt so I'm stepping out the gift is not yours the gift is his the grace is his and he's called us to faithfulness he's called us to remain to stay to be steadfast My friend, a little bit of a sidebar this morning. The world is changing rapidly around us. What will you be faithful to? The world is changing rapidly around us. Will you be faithful to the church? Will you be faithful to the the one thing, the one beautiful body that Christ has provided here on the earth? Because... We heard it this morning. When Christ returns, the church is leaving. He's looking for faithfulness. There's a lot of reasons not to be faithful. For the younger folks in our group here this morning, faithfulness is difficult because there's so much to do and it's so hard for me to stay consistent and faithful to everything. Let me just tell you, you're not supposed to be in everything. Well, my parents said I could do everything. Well, tell your parents to call me. 330-603-1789. You can't be faithful to everything. You can't. From somebody who's not an earthly parent, but a spiritual parent, let me give you a little nugget of wisdom today. Parents, it would be prudent and wise for you to step back and say, 
In light of everything that's happening in our family, in our world, it is most important that we are faithful to fill in the blank. If you need me to fill in the blank, 330-603-1789, I'll fill it in for you. I am standing here today not because I've been to Bible college, seminary, this is nothing else I can do, I can't do anything else in the world but be a pastor, and be here. I'm not here for that reason. I want to tell you one of the reasons that I'm here. And she's sitting on the last row of the front section in the corner. Why? Faithfulness. Faithfulness. We were faithful to the Lord. We were faithful to the kingdom. That was our first faithfulness. There were other faithfulnesses that came along the way. There were other faithfulnesses that we even engaged in. That we even took part in sports and music and other things. But you know what? Nothing ever replaced the first faithful. Nothing ever replaced the first faithful. So to you, my friends, today, the best wisdom and the best nugget I can give you today is choose your faithfulnesses. Don't let them choose you. You be proactive and you choose what you're faithful to because what you're faithful to will bless you or it will curse you. Proverbs 3.3 3 says, Bind them around your neck. Bind love and faithfulness around your neck and they will bless you. They will bless you. Peter is saying, Use your gifts faithfully. For the older in our congregation this morning, you may be thinking something like this. You know what? I've given my time. I've given my gift. It's, some, it's time for someone else to take over now. Remember, Peter says in verse 10, each one. He doesn't say each younger one. He says each one. Every single one of us, without any age restrictions, has a gift. At this place in your life, my friends, you might have another way to give your gift of grace to the body, but the command here is to stay faithful in giving your gift. Stay faithful. You may say, oh, I don't have anything to offer. Oh, yes, you do. You have the gift of God in you. His grace is in you. Proverbs 3, 3 and 4 says these words. I mentioned them a minute ago. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Then you will win favor and a good name in the sight of God and man. Love and faithfulness. The favor of God. The favor of man. How does that happen? Be faithful. Be faithful. Faithfulness, my friend, is big, huge, some would say, in God's sight. I'm going to leave you with these two verses. The first one's in Matthew 24:45. Jesus says these words, Who then is the faithful and the wise servant, whom the, pa- the master has put in charge of his servants in his household to give them their food at the proper time? It will be good for that servant whose master finds him, doing so when he returns. It was also in Matthew 25 that Jesus uses the words, and we think of them often, well done, 
thou good and smart servant. Well done, thou good and faithful. The result is not up to us. Faithfulness is up to us. Faithful, faithful, faithful. Jesus doesn't put his work on us to do. He does the work. We stand in the faithful place and offer our gift. Use our gift. Pour out the grace that's been poured into us. And we do it faithfully Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, year one, year five, year ten, year fifteen, year twenty, year twenty-five, year thirty. Faithful, faithful, faithful. That's what we're expected to do. Be faithful. Jesus says to the faithful, well done. You did it right. You have my blessing. You're faithful. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 4, 2, Now it is required that those who have been given a trust must prove faithful. My friend, I'm camping on faithful this morning for a reason. Because faithfulness in our world hard to find, hard to come by. How about the church of Jesus Christ being marked for faithfulness? Marked with love, a love that covers and endures and is strong and is steady and that covers a multitude of sins and also a faithful use of our gifts. Over and over, the grace of God poured out. That's what we're called to this morning. Love and faithfulness. Love and faithfulness. Let's pray. At the very end of this passage, let me read this verse for you. If anyone serves, he should do with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory. To him be the power forever and ever. That's why we give. That's why we're faithful. That he might be praised with our lives. Where are you today, you gifted person? Are those gifts dormant, unknown, unidentified? sitting on a shelf, spiritually speaking? Are you our participator? Are you just a spectator? What about the gift that God has graced you with today? Are you using it? Are you serving others with it? Or have you set it aside? Today, there's a call to you to activate your gift, to get it out, to dust it off to use it. We need you. The body of Christ is weaker when your gift is not activated. Help us not to be so weak. Help us to be strong as the body of Christ by you using your gift. Whether you're young or whether you're old, your gift is vital and important to us. You are part of the body here at Victory Life. We need you. 
We need your gift. For those who actively use your gift, stay faithful. Stay faithful. Continue on, even if you're not recognized or someone doesn't pat you on the back or speak your name to someone else. Jesus sees it all. He knows your faithfulness and he's pleased. And even before the day that he returns, he's saying of you, well done, my good and my faithful servant. And Lord, we are living for the day when face to face, you will look at us, Lord, and we want so much to hear you say, well done, my good, my faithful servant. Enter into the joys that I prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Lord, may that, those words stir in our heart this week, Lord. May we commit ourselves to faithfulness afresh and anew today. For we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.